This is the Troll Patrol. Live. With Justin. Freaking. Warlord still throwing out the ban hammer. Apparently canceled Justin Freaking is still in full force. Uh, welcome to the Troll Patrol. Live. It's a freaking Thursday. So you know what that means. It's the end of the week for me. Tomorrow night, we will have Sparkles Lavendar join us for the Friday Night Freak Show. I do believe she is in the chat. She said that Raymond said Muffins was just as funny as Seinfeld. But the, the Jerry Seinfeld or the show Seinfeld? I think I'm way funnier than Jerry Seinfeld. I'm, I've seen Jerry Seinfeld live. I didn't think he was that funny. You know, the Seinfeld, the show, is brilliant. You know, it's one of my favorite fucking shows. I got so, I've got so many good memes. I don't know what the meme of the day is today. Hard to pick one. Oh, what are we going to talk about on the show tonight? Just all discombobulated. Oh, we we are going to pick on Elon Musk for multiple reasons. Apparently, some debris from one of his rockets is going to hit the moon. He's upset about a Twitter account that is uh, uh, apparently tracking the movements of his private jet. Yet, he wants to implant chips into people's brains. Speaking of Twitter, I could actually, I forgot to share the Troll Patrol out on the Twitter. I can do that now. I keep forgetting that I've got a Twitter. So here's the thing is I was having an argument today with the, I guess what they call the dumb, dumb left. I don't, since I haven't been on Twitter, I haven't got to interact with what they call the dumb, dumb left. But today I got to interact with them. And my god. I guess I need I guess I need a new phrase besides the right wingers are morons. Cause I I got bombarded by some Jackson Hinkle fans. They got caught up in the whole Sam Cedar Jackson Hinkle drama. It's the it's the same way with the Matt Walsh fans. A lot of them come to my page and are like, I have no clue who Matt Walsh is, but he destroyed you and he destroyed the trans people in that debate. It was the same thing with the Jackson Hinkle fans. They're like, I had never seen Jackson Hinkle before. I was a huge Sam Cedar fan. And then like, name off things that Sam Cedar never did. It was the craziest fucking shit. Wild ass day today. Here's your meme of the day. The Marcy Playground hit song, I Smell Sex and Candy. Along with a picture of Tucker Carlson rolling around with a green M&M. Good, somebody said regulate. By the way, I misspoke the other day. I said it wiped out like $3 billion in crypto value. No, I was wrong. It was $3 trillion. Not billion with a B. Carl Sagan. Trillion with a T. 
Fuck me. Not not literally. Oh, maybe I don't know. On what you're into, maybe I'm into it. Ah, we're gonna watch a guy bring a conservative radio show. Apparently, he he kept naming off uh, punk bands. Looking forward to that. We're gonna talk about the Reddit thread anti-work. We're going to watch the clip that caused all the drama on Fox News. And then we're going to talk about how the movement is going stronger than ever. I'm going to throw you some some threads that you can get on on the Reddit, if you're on the Reddit. That are filling the void left by anti-work. We're going to talk about the Seattle concrete workers going on strike. We're going to check in with the Alabama coal miners, the MetLife. Coal miners that are still on strike. RB, you would have to watch a full episode of Seinfeld in order to act, like get it. They they are like you can't just watch a part of it and be like, oh, this is a good show. No, like the jokes build on each other. It references shit that happens earlier in the show. You may watch an entire episode before it actually like becomes funny. It's 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 a very very well written show. What's up, Dustin? What's good is we're gonna pick on Elon Musk. We're gonna talk about the Mississippi school bus drivers who went on strike for like one day, <laughs> just a few hours, and came away with a large pay raise. So fuck yeah. We're going to talk about the latest in the developments with Ukraine and Russia, as well as the State Department is apparently saber-rattling about the UAE and, the, and Saudi Arabia. Fuck. Fuck you and your fucking war hawks. God damn. Insagi asked if Joe Biden would nominate Vice President Kamala Harris to the Supreme Court. Trump, spotted out on the golf course, referred to himself as the 47th president. So at least he's admitting admitting that he lost now. We're going to talk about the stupid-ass convoy, which may set a Guinness World Record. Apparently, President Justin Trudeau in Canada said some shit that I know I said it wrong. I do that on purpose. The Freedom Convoy! Apparently Trudeau took a shot at them. We're gonna watch a activist, pro-choice activist, take an abortion pill on live TV. Apparently this happened on a Detroit television station. We're going to hear from Greg Gutfeld about authoritarian COVID policies. Now, keep that in mind. Here later on in the show, we're going to listen to a millionaire on Fox News complain about authoritarian COVID policies. But we're going to start off the show tonight here on Holocaust Remembrance Day 
was something that should shock the shit out of you. Remember, Holocaust Remembrance Day. That's what today is. Republicans all across this country posted in honor of Holocaust Remembrance Day on the same day that a Tennessee school board banned, banned, banned an award-winning Holocaust graphic novel called Mouse or Mouse. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Pulitzer Prize winning novel about the Holocaust. Board members voted in favor of banning the novel because it contained swear words and a naked illustration. It's, it's pronounced mouse? Okay. I didn't know if it had like a German like moose. Moose. Graphic novel Mouse, a survivor's tale, depicts how the author's parents survived Auschwitz during the Holocaust. That is not a book that I read in school. I had to read... Uh, uh, I had to read... Ellie Weiss's Night. Holy fuck! What a, what a, I did not read, apparently Mouse is for a much younger audience. I read uh, Night when I was a freshman or a sophomore. Author Art Spangleman said he was baffled by the decision. Six million Jewish people died in the Holocaust. Nazi Germany's campaign to eradicate Europe's Jewish population. Mr. Spiegelman's parents were Polish Jews who were sent to Nazi concentration camps during World War II. His novel Mouse, which features hand-drawn illustrations of mice as Jews and cats as Nazis, won a number of literary awards in 1992. Oh, so it it wasn't even part of the curriculum. It was just in the library, of course. Now, this is, this is going to be an ongoing theme. We're, we've got a, a number of these stories here tonight. A McMinn County School Board meeting in January, members said that they felt that the inclusion of swear words in the graphic novel were inappropriate for the 8th grade curriculum. It was in 8th grade. So if it was in the curriculum, they were actually teaching it in class, which, good, they probably should be. The meeting's minutes... The director of the school's Lee Parkinson was quoted as having said, there is some rough, objectable, uh, objective, objectionable language in this book. Members also objected to a cartoon that featured nakedness in a drawing of a mouse. A fucking naked mouse! Initially, Mr. Parkinson argued that redacting the swear words was the best course of action, but citing copyright concerns, the board eventually decided to ban the teaching of the novel altogether. Some board members did back the novel's inclusion in the curriculum. At least some people had some goddamn sense. In an interview with CNBC, the author of the novel, Mr. Spangleman, said he was baffled by the decision and called it Orwellian. Is correct. Speaking on Wednesday about the ban, a day before Holocaust Memorial Day, he said, I've met so many young people who have learned things from my book. The move to ban the novel comes amid a national debate over the curriculum in U.S. public schools. Parents, teachers, and school administrators have been grappling with how to teach race, discrimination, and inequality in the classroom. Tone. Oh shit, hold on. 
You got a video of the author? Fuck yeah, let's watch it. Thank you, Bergen. Oh, shit. We're going to move on to other book bannings here in just a second. Other states. A Tennessee school board has banned the critically acclaimed graphic novel Mouse. It is a true story about the horrors of the Holocaust by Art Spiegelman, and it depicts Jews as mice and Nazis as cats. One school board member commenting on the book saying, quote, it shows people hanging, it shows them killing kids. Why does the educational system promote this kind of stuff? It is not... I don't know, because it's education about what actually fucking happened. ...wise or healthy being in the schools. Educators and stuff, we don't need to enable or somewhat promote this stuff. We teach this material, to be clear, so that we don't forget. Joining us now is the Pulitzer Prize-winning graphic novelist who wrote Mouse, Art Spiegelman. Um, Art, how are you reacting to this? Um, Well, I've moved past uh, total bafflement to trying to be tolerant of uh, people who may possibly not be Nazis, maybe, uh, because... Having read the transcript of the uh, school board meeting, the problem is sort of bigger and stupider than that. They really genuinely focused, listening to this or reading this 20-minute document, they're totally focused on some bad words that are in the book. I mean, we're talking about a state that just fucking last year took the... uh, uh, bust of the founder of the Ku Klux Klan out of the state capitol. The mayor may not be Nazis. Like, like, damn it, I can't believe that (laughs) the word damn would get the book jettisoned out of school on its own, but that's really where the the genuine focus seems... Oh, it's the word damn? That's all? Oh my god. He presented it. It wasn't really like, there wasn't any hint of, uh, well, you know, I think the author might be Jewish or something. We don't want to have Jewish books in our schools or something. It's not like that exactly, at least. Um, so I'm trying to, like, wrap my brain around it. It certainly hijacked uh, that brain sometime around 7.30 last night and hasn't let go since. Yeah, I, I can understand why it's hard to wrap your brain around it. Art, and first of all, it's an honor to meet you. Just a giant fan of your work had a profound impact on me. Their specific complaint was naughty language and nudity. To well, me, the nudity was... I mean, you're talking about the Holocaust. If your problem with discussions about the Holocaust are bad words and nudity, I'm just not sure you're getting the point. Nope. <laughs> um, I, I agree, which is why I'm still trying to go, how did this exactly happen? But it's... The nudity is specifically a small image that has uh, my... Uh, mother right after having slashed her wrists in a bathtub being found. So she, it's seen from overhead, and you can see it's it's a tiny image. So you have to really, like, want to get your sexual kicks by by <laughs> projecting on it. It seems like a crazy place to get them. Um, so I think that it has more to do with... Uh, I, I think they're so myopic in their focus, and they're so afraid of... Um, um, what what's implied in having to uh, 
defend the decision to teach Mao's as part of the curriculum, that uh, it it led to this kind of daffy myopic response. And daffies would be easy. I mean, the problem, of course, is that it has the breadth of um, uh, autocracy and fascism about it, and it has a real problem with uh, asking the parents to be on on board to to decide what it's okay to teach the kids and the values are, are are too far away from those I can recognize to see how they got there but I'm still trying to figure out how could this be just uh, um, as limited as it is as a problem especially after reading at least about some educators who uh, were doing their best to try to uh, explain why this was being taught in a curriculum so that it could be the linchpin book for uh, unit of conversation that allows a lot more perspectives in. And, um, you know, as you were just saying, just focusing on the bad words and on a... <laughs> the nudity thing is almost absurd. I, I can't yeah. quite get... The whole, this whole thing is absurd. Because your novel is about the experience of your family, of your father and your mother, and the legacy, too, just in your individual family, about what the Holocaust wrought. And I, I wonder, Art, if part of the reason they're being so myopic is because of a bigger problem, which is that so many people seem to just not be seeing the Holocaust for what it is these days. Well, uh, what what would you say it is? I think of it as a harbinger of things to come. Oh, my God, he's right. Right, which which makes it all the more troubling if you don't... Right here in the United States. ...want to use the tools available to discuss it. Agreed. On the other hand, like I said, the teachers who were trying to make their case really were trying to explain why it's important to to deal with this topic. And uh, I remember when I was uh, a, a kid, quite a while back now, uh, it was kind of uh, a given that we the Holocaust wasn't a subject. You know, like I was I started school in about nineteen uh, what fifty two or 53 in kindergarten. Uh, but it just wasn't a subject. And and um, my wife was... It wasn't? French. I don't think it was really being taught in, in the schools either. Uh, and I got to say, and this is strange but true, I never, I never um, did this book to teach anybody anything. Uh, I was trying to find a story important enough to spend time drawing and it turned out to be 13 years to do that uh it should be it should be taught it, in the curriculum it wasn't about um being didactic. required reading none, none of that it wasn't like i've really got to teach people that they must never forget i just knew i had a story worth telling when i first started in 1972 with a three-page version of this it just wasn't a topic it wasn't like what it's become where uh uh i think every year the oscars have at least one best holocaust mm-hmm. movie award uh um, and it wasn't it wasn't made that way. It wasn't thinking like we must teach people to be better people. But uh, can art and memory have a way? It was like, hey, I've seen you on CNN right now. Then you don't fully imagine. And this book clearly has. And I also want to note that you've talked about the impact and the fear that people have had about this book. And look, it was banned in Russia for one thing. But you also talked about the idea of banning books here in the United States. And one of the things you've written is, you know, keep your nose in a book and keep other people's noses out of which book you choose to stick your nose into. Right. That was made as a bookmark to be given away on Banned Book Week Day uh, in libraries. Um, 
Yeah, well, I agree. I mean, I, if anything, my problem is staying focused on this problem because the problems are fast. I mean, this is your news cycle now, but every day there's another sign that uh, what kids ought to be reading as well, but can't because there are probably too many big words. And I know that in that uh, part of Tennessee, the reading level, only 30% of the students. In the oh, you're making a very salient level. point. But I would recommend On Tyranny by Timothy Snyder, which uh, connects the dots admirably. He's an estimable historian who wrote Bloodlands. And this best-selling pamphlet book has just come out in an illustrated edition. I didn't look through it to see if there's a, a, a body part that shouldn't be seen somewhere, and I don't remember that, but it could be with the <laughs> graphics. And it's a matter of trying to not only know what happened, but connect it somehow to what's happening to us now. Can we talk, you, you were talking about maybe this is a harbinger of what's to come, and you mentioned, you know, when you were in school, maybe there wasn't much taught about the Holocaust. I think there really was more of a, a reckoning in the 60s and 70s about the importance of talking about it uh, more honestly. And it seemed for decades now that was the prevailing thought, the importance of remembering so that we don't forget. What do you worry is on the horizon if there is a part of this country that cannot be learning about the Holocaust in the way it happened? Well, I, I think it's, uh, it's already started happening. Like I said, the, uh, the dog whistles abound. You know, I think there was a moment in there where I thought uh, Jews were honorary white people. But it seems that after coming against critical race uh, theory as the accusation against uh, books that deal with our history, uh, never facing up to studying the genocide of Indians, uh, um, it seems that we're we're back in a category of, and I say that not as a religious Jew, but as clearly a Jew of some kind. Even though I don't don't subscribe to that notion of, of anyway. Just I'm sorry. I, t I warned people that it was eight o'clock, and I wouldn't be that articulate. <laughs> in the so hasn't had his coffee uh, yet. All I'm saying, I guess, is that this is an issue. It's an issue that's way broader than any one group issue, although that's certainly happening. And I found out, like, looking at uh, Twitter last night, that um, today's Holocaust Remembrance Day, International mm -hmm. Holocaust Remembrance Day, which adds to the poignancy, irony, and madness of this to some degree, because it's not, um, one would think that the word remembrance is important. And I sympathize with the teachers who very sincerely uh, have tried to do this and are baffled by a school board that must, uh, on some level, have just... This is why I'm so worried about school board elections and city councils all over this country. In that county, um, only 30% of the students read at uh, grade level, and I guess they were brought up by that educational system themselves. Art, I will say you are more articulate in the 8 a.m. hour than really anybody that I know. Uh, I don't know if I can handle you then at 3 p.m., but look, we oh, just really yeah. appreciate you. We really appreciate you joining us today. This is Now let's run down all the other instances of the right wing wanting to ban books. Texas. Students are going off on a school district's push to ban books on inequality. Anyone who knows me knows I love books, history books, novels, comic books. I just love to read. It's a total coincidence that my married name sounds just like R-E-A-D. And, 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 and let's, let's make no bones about it. I've not seen anything uh, offensive about 
Joy Reid. I don't I don't know that much. All I know is what we've watched here on the show. But they attack her constantly. And there's bound to be a reason for it. Because she does news hits like this. But spelled differently. So this thing really bugs me that's happening in our country right now. We're so-called conservatives who fear history and who hate the fact that young people might access the true history of this country in books are launching fake grassroots campaigns to try to get books banned, especially books that tell the story of the formation of this country. We're going to talk about the people who are funding these campaigns here in just a little bit. From the point of view of black people or the history and stories of people who are LGBTQ. In short, the book banners are coming. And they're fake. I mean, you already know. Parents on their own. Oh, no. They're being sponsored by right wing organizations like Heritage Action, the campaign arm of the Heritage Foundation and a Daughters of the Confederacy style group called Moms for Liberty, whose Tennessee chapter filed a complaint under that state's new anti-critical race theory law, objecting to K through 12 schools, teaching several books about the civil rights movement including a book about the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who the book banners love to fake quote to justify their aggression against teaching history. Why Boy, howdy. Moms for Liberty object to the book Martin Luther King Jr. and the March on Washington? Well, because it describes white police spraying powerful fire hoses at black children marching for equal rights to the point where the water tore off their clothes, which actually happened. So they, of course, have labeled that pornography. And they are displeased by the fact that the book describes notorious director of public safety, Bull Connor, as standing for hate more than any other person in Birmingham, which sounds accurate. Other books Moms for Liberty objected to in Tennessee include Ruby Bridges Goes to School, a book written by Ms. Bridges, who desegregated a New Orleans elementary school at just six years old, accompanied by National Guard troops for her protection in 1960. Also, the story of Ruby Bridges by Robert Coles and Separate is Never Equal by Duncan Tonatia. Because you wouldn't want children to know that black people were treated as unequal in America. They also think that learning about the March on Washington would be too traumatizing for white kids. Seriously. Luckily, the Moms for Liberty complaint was rejected, but they and their allies are not stopping. They're accelerating these campaigns all over the country, claiming that books that talk about racism, slavery, the Holocaust are divisive and more, including books by Pulitzer Prize winner Toni Morrison, are unacceptable, offensive, anti-American and dangerous. And of course, pornographic. So they want these books banned. Some of the radical anti-history people even want them burned like Fahrenheit 451, which they'll probably also try to ban if they haven't already. Which is why I think we should buy these books even more and give them as gifts or donate. I will say, Mouse has sold out on Amazon as of like just a couple of hours ago. History is important and worthy, and book banners are the absolute worst. Yup. Oh, she mentioned Toni Morrison. That is in Missouri, where they are trying to ban the Toni Morrison book. The Wentzville School District bans award-winning novel that focuses on the black experience. A local school district is banning an award-winning novel focusing on the black experience. I just said that. This to obscenity complaints. Last week, the school board voted to pull The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison from library shelves. It tells the story of a young black girl and includes passages about incest and rape. 
Morrison said she wrote the book in the late 1960s to show the psychological damage caused by racism. In 2020, The Bluest Eye was on the American Library Association's list of top 10 most challenged books. God, I, I fucking go and look up the top 10 most challenged books. In 2020, it was predominantly books on gender, LGBTQ issues. This year, it's a couple that have been like challenged by the left, apparently. But like last year, it was all books that were challenged by the right and has been all books that were challenged by the right. Florida debates book bans in public schools. A roundup of Florida education news from around the state here. Florida lawmakers haven't been shy in advancing measures aimed at making it easier for the public to challenge the content of materials in school libraries and classrooms. To prod compliance, the legislature has proposed cutting school board members' pay. They've done so at the bidding of conservative groups, some of which have taken to reading passages they consider pornographic at local school board meetings. In certain instances, the groups come with a list of books that they want out of schools. Many deal with LGBTQ topics. Polk County, the ledger reports that officials visited middle and high schools to remove 16 titles that county citizens defending freedom alleged violate the state's statutes on obscene materials. District officials said the books aren't censored, just quarantined until a thorough review can occur. Districts around the state, including Pinellas County, have faced requests for books to be pulled from the shelves. Some have agreed, while others, such as Flag- uh, Flagler County, have told parents that they can control what their own children read, but not others, other children. Others' children. I'm not high enough for this shit. I'm also a little worked up. Cause f- I'm also worked up because I know what's going to come next when I fucking play you right-wingers talking about how they're the ones being censored. Observers expect the drumbeat to grow louder on the issue as the legislature continues to consider the concept of barring certain discussions in schools. Focus on the so-called conservative groups that are linked to rich donors waging a campaign to ban books from schools. We're reading from The Guardian. I can't make it scroll for some reason. Hill Guardian. Oh man, it may be it may be fighting me back because of my all my ad blockers here. Come on, Guardian. What the hell. Let me scroll now. Conservative groups across the U.S. often linked to deep-pocketed right-wing donors are carrying out a campaign to ban books from school libraries, often focused on works that address race, LGBTQ issues, and marginalized communities. I want to get into the groups. 
Groups purporting to be grassroots efforts have frequently led the charge, petitioning school boards or elected officials to remove certain books. Though some of these organizations present themselves as a local effort that sprang up around groups of parents united behind a cause, many of the groups involved in banning books are in fact linked and backed by influential conservative donors. Most of the books relate to race or gender equality at a time when some Republicans are mounting an effort to prevent teaching on race in schools by launching a loud campaign against critical race theory. Deborah Caldwell Stone, the director of the American Library Association, said that we've noted that there are a number of groups like Moms for Liberty, Parents Defending Education, No Left Turn in Education, that have a particular view on what is appropriate for young people, and they're trying to implement their agenda, particularly in schools, but also taking their concerns to public libraries as well. Caldwell Stone said the American Library Association received 156 book challenges in an attempt to remove or restrict one or more books in 2020. In the last three months of 2021 alone, the organization saw 330 book challenges. In most, incident, uh, most incidents, there is a common format. According to the conservative groups, one parent of a child at school has spotted an allegedly unsuitable book and has raised the alarm, but the movement is far from organic. The name Moms for Liberty might suggest a homely kitchen table effort. In reality, Moms for Liberty is associated with other supposed grassroots groups backed by conservative donors who appear to be driving the book banning effort. Moms for Liberty groups are promoted on the website of Parents Defending Education, another conservative group, and in May, Moms for Liberty joined with PDE. That sounds like a fucking uh, sexually transmitted disease, a, a, a PDE. Write a letter to Miguel Cardona, the U.S. Education Secretary, expressing concerns over federal efforts to include teaching about the consequences of slavery and the contributions of black Americans in U.S. society. Moms for Liberty did not respond to a request for comment. I believe Moms for Liberty... No, 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 no. This is Heroes of Liberty. My, my, my apologies. I assume they are linked. But this is a fucking crazy-ass ad for the type of books that they do want included in the school curriculum. Have a good day. Uh, This is not a parody. What I'm getting ready to show you is not an SNL skit. I just sent my kids off to school. But do I really know what I will be getting back? Honestly, this is troubling. I mean, let's face it. Our kids are being virtually brainwashed by woke messages in schools and in children's literature. Why teach young children that something is inherently wrong with their body, their color, or their country? Why not teach values such as personal responsibility, courage, freedom, and the willingness to sacrifice for such values? Don't even get me started on the quality of the storytelling. As my beloved grandma would say, that's about as lame as a horse overdue for the glue factory. 
Don't get me started on the quality of that line, ma'am. Holy shit. That's why I was so happy when my good friend Christine told me about Heroes of Liberty, a new biography series for children that was created to do something that once was obvious. Tell great stories. Heroes of Liberty. Such heroes like Ronald Reagan, who funded Muslim terrorists in order to provide arms to South American death squads and flood the streets of the U.S. with crack. Thomas Sowell, the the black uh, economist, and Amy Coney Barrett. Those are the heroes of liberty they want to teach about in school. (laughs) With tales about people who lived inspiring lives and who were devoted to the values that made this country great. These books are created by world-class illustrators and writers and are delightful and as American as apple pie. That was really weird for her to pull a pie out of the oven and be like, I bought this. What the fuck? Was that supposed to be funny? Conservative humor is so weird. This is like all the hallmarks of fascism, by the way. The, uh, the appeals to symbolism and a mythology around a national cause. Fascist as fuck. We can't change the school systems overnight, but we can reclaim these magical moments of bedtime. I'm sorry, I made you guys watch that. On to the next group. Azra Nomani, PDE's Vice President for Strategy and Investigations, has appeared on Fox News to rail against some books, including Woke Baby and Gender Queer, being in Virginia libraries, and PDE carries a list of books it deems problematic on its website. PDE, which launched in spring of 2021, has emerged as one of the key organizations in the conservative fight to influence in public schools, or for influence in public schools. The group describes itself as a grassroots organization, but has deep tie, or has ties to deep-pocket conservative money and influence. PDE's president, Nicole Nelly, was previously the executive director of the Independent Women's Forum and worked at the Cato Institute, a right-wing think tank co-founded by Republican mega-donor Charles Koch. The Intercept reported that the IWF 
has received large donations from Republican donor uh, Leonard Leo, a former vice president of the Koch-funded Federalist Society, who advised Donald Trump on judicial appointments. PDE's website offers templates as to how aggrieved people can get involved. The group is behind an effort to create a web of coordinated Instagram pages that highlight perceived liberal bias at specific schools and offers a step-by-step guide to doing the same. From how to create a specific Gmail address to match the mission to how to describe the Instagram account. The guide advises for the full name field use woke at school name. For the username field use woke woke eat school name. What? PDE, which is also uh, railed against critical race theory, even tells parents they should spy on teachers' online activity to seek incriminating material. Look at the social media pages of teachers and administrators at your school. They are often quite proud of what they're doing and sometimes post incriminating statements or materials. I don't know, like defending a book teaching about the Holocaust. Another aim beyond banning books is exposed in PDE's effort to encourage conservative parents to run for school boards, an often ignored position that wields a considerable amount of power. PDE offers a guide on how parents can run and while also describing how to gain influence on parent-teacher-student associations. It even offers specific questions disgruntled parents can pose to their school boards. I'm sorry, RB. I'm sorry. I felt it was important to talk about that. I know, like, we, we're going to come back in, like, an hour. We'll have shits and giggles, I promise. I've got some, I've got some funny stuff. I am really worried about where we're heading as a country. I honestly am. Meanwhile, I'm watching conservatives selling Let's Go Brandon shirts, raking in the fucking money while claiming to be censored. No left turn in education, whose chapters are promoted on PDE's website, is another of the groups leading the charge. No left turn's website contains a list of more than 60 books it deems inappropriate. Again, the group has links to deep-pocketed conservatives. The Milwaukee Journal reported that Alana Fishman, No Left Turn in Education's founder, has provided free legal representation for parents wishing to challenge school districts. According to Journal, most of the lawyers are affiliated with the Liberty Justice Center and Pacific Legal Foundation, which received funding from the prominent GOP donor Dick Erlin. A Wisconsin-based billionaire. By the way, I do a lot of work for I have been doing work for conservative groups at a podcast network that had they were way overpaying me. They've quit using me, so they probably found somebody cheaper. But it was a whole network of different podcasts that just catered to this nonsense. And one of them was it was out of Wisconsin, and it was a, one of them was about promoting homeschooling. They were big on the school choice and everything. I about fell out of my chair one time when uh, they called John D. Rockefeller a secret socialist. They just went a cat ass.
Oh my god! There you get an idea of the groups that are actually funding this effort, which, by the way, are the same groups that are funding vaccine misinformation that funded the Tea Party. I said it the other night. I I never thought there would come a time where doing a show like this might get me a bullet in the head, but we may be moving down that road. I shudder to think what the next decade is going to look like. Fuck. But hey, hey. I bet Steven Crowder has a good take on the banning of books. Gonna pop up and ask me if I'm like a pansy boy or something for not putting in my email, I do believe. Uh, Maybe my ad blocker got it. Five works of fiction the left would rather you not read. Which is why you have to. I'm interested to know what what books they think the left would rather you not read. This is by Joseph Gunderson. This is on the Louder with Crowder website. Put this list together to be shared at a later date, but it would seem timely as one university decided to literally go full Orwellian on Orwell and a school board just banned Mouse today. Wait, what? The left is fond of burning books. Like, how many of, of Crowder's people... Oh, it, it, it links to Crowder. What the? <laughs> There's so much information. And like, it wasn't the left trying to ban a fucking book. Oh my God. This is this is insane. This is Orwellian. The left is fond of burning books it doesn't like. They canceled Dr. Seuss. And even targeted American classics like To Kill a Mockingbird and The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Both on the grounds that they are wildly racist, which and they'd know if and they'd know this if leftists were smart enough to read, couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> they just straight up lie. But the left hates fiction just as much as they hate nonfiction because they hate truth. And fiction provides an outlet for artists to examine truth without having to remain entirely ensconced in reality. Because when these truths become reality, they are bloody, violent, and difficult for us to imagine. So while the left would rather you sit on the couch flipping through insane and ultimately mentally damaging TikTok videos, I would suggest picking up a few books that tear the mask off of the left's malevolent plots to destroy liberty. 
1984, An Animal Farm by George Orwell. Anti-fascist and socialist George Orwell. Who, who in the, what leftist has tried to ban Orwell? Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury. I have not read Fahrenheit 451. I watched the, there is a movie of it. I, and there's no, there's no link to where the left is trying to ban these books. What? Brave New World by Algius Huxley. I fucked the name up, I'm sure. The Trial by Franz Kafka. God damn. And Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. I, you know, while we're at it, since we're on the topic of Orwell, left does hate Ayn Rand, but like, I don't think anybody is telling you, like, if we're talking about not reading Ayn Rand, it's because like, it's a really long and boring book and she sucks as an author. So, Ben Shapiro started a book club. You have to you have to pay for a membership to the Daily Wire, and you get to be part of Ben Shapiro's book club. That's actually a thing they're doing. Ben Shapiro's first review, and God, it's been it's been so long since so I've long read 1984, I, and you guys know the way my memory right. is. I don't remember fucking shit about it. been nice to give it a read before watching this piece, but oh well. It fits perfectly here. This is Ben Shapiro, Hope of the Jews, letting us know what George Orwell got wrong. Writing about is the Stalin regime. And while he sort of lumps all totalitarianism together, right, he says it doesn't matter whether we're talking about Oceania or East Asia or Eurasia, none of that really matters. What he means by that is that once you have a totalitarian regime, whether it considers itself Nazi or whether it considers itself communist, you're now in the same boat. Now, there are some fundamental distinctions between these ideologies that I think that Orwell elides. But his his ability to critique totalitarianism is unparalleled, which is why 1984 stands the test of time. And there's no question, by the way, that many of the incidents in 1984 are attempts to, to draw from real life. So, for example, there's this character of Parsons, right, who is, is this sort of fat, bloated idiot who lives in the, in Winston's apartment building. And he's very excited that his kids are informing on all the neighbors. I'm not high enough for this shit. Well, this was a thing in the in the Soviet Union under Stalin. There's a very, very famous situation where uh, a, uh, a kid named Pavel Marazov was a 13-year-old boy. And Pavel Marazov supposedly informed on his own father to the GPU, which was the predecessor to the KGB. And his father was received a 10-year prison sentence, and then supposedly Marazov's family beat him to death. And so he actually became a Soviet hero. 
There were songs written about him. There were statues built to this 13-year-old kid who informed on his own. That's a common story in Germany as well during the rise of Nazism, Ben. But he's going to just keep tying this back to a supposed leftist ideology. Father, that obviously is, is paralleled in 1984. In Oceania, your mind is not your own. You have these massive surveillance state apparatuses that have been built. And that, again, is paralleled by what the Soviet Union did. And the goal of the surveillance in the Soviet Union was not just to keep track of people because they didn't actually have the ability to process all the material they were taking in. The idea was that everybody knew that they were being watched at all times. That inherently changes everybody's behavior. When you feel like you are on guard all the time, you start to shy away from exercising your freedom. This obviously has some weaker echoes in the modern social media era where you feel like... If and you what say, the fuck is this set? He's got like a bunch of, can feel sort of security cameras with flashing red lights around him. Whether we're talking about the surveillance state or whether we are talking about social media mobbings or whether we're talking about people informing on each other for mob rule. Right? So... Oh, oh, you mean like the groups we just read where they've got these pre-made forms to bitch about books? That, that historian Robert Conquest talked about the Salinari, he said, to die, to lose your loved ones is bad enough. Glenn Yunkin's fucking tip line. Ron DeSantis. This snitch line. Joy at the whole bloodbath. Maybe thought worse still. Truth almost perished. And so this was the surveillance state. That's Big Brother is watching. Then you get to the actual slogans. War is peace. So the basic idea here is that when you have a suppressed population, you Yeah, the Texas abortion snitch line. Direct that ire somewhere else. And you see this in totalitarian states all over the globe. North Korea is constantly being aggressive with South Korea, not because they actually hope to win a war with South Korea, but because Kim Jong-un has to constantly show his population that the bad guys live on the South. You can't relate that to a country a little closer to home, Ben? What's a a country you know of that perhaps you live in that's always, always engaging in preemptive war? With smaller countries. I don't think Ben lives in Mexico. No, 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 no. Fuck me. Outside of the border. The same thing with China vis-a-vis, for example, Taiwan and Hong Kong. Same thing, for example, with Iran, which is constantly driving its its citizens' ire at, at Israel or in the Palestinian Authority. And whenever you have country, Russia is a good example of this, right? You need territorial ambition in order to make excuses to your citizens for why you are a terrible government and why they have a terrible living standard. And so, Emmanuel Goldstein, in 1984, is... He just described the United States. In in 1984, and pretty clearly a stand-in for Trotsky, because Trotsky was used as sort of the all-purpose whipping boy for the Soviet Union during the Stalin regime. Everybody who was an enemy of Stalin was treated as, quote-unquote, a Trotskyite, uh, and then then targeted. But the idea, of course, is that perpetual war allows you to, to push all of the ire of your population abroad. And, and go after all those other people. Now, here's where you get into Orwell's failure to understand actually socialism and communism because he actually didn't understand socialism and communism on an economic level. There, there's a huge portion of the book, it's actually the dullest portion of the book, where he gets a hold of Goldstein's pamphlet and he reads the pamphlet. And the pamphlet is just straight Trotsky. It's pretty much uh, an open paraphrase of the revolution betrayed by Trotsky. And and that the revolution betrayed basically says communism is good, Stalin is bad. And you hear the same Fucking thing Fucking wow. The idea in, in the Goldstein pamphlet is that the reason that the state has to constantly go to war is because if it were not for the state going to war, they couldn't get rid of all of their excess wealth 
and getting rid of the excess wealth, sinking it to the bottom of the sea, as Orwell puts it, keeps the people in misery. And keeping the people in misery is the goal, because if they're in misery, then it prevents them from being able to rise up. Now, that's not true, okay? This is one of the memes that would have been the meme of the day today. Healthcare, please. What's that? Ship 100 tons of weapons to Ukraine? You got it, Jack. My God. Communism keeps people in misery because it inherently destroys all the wealth. Soviet Union did not need to go to war with surrounding countries in order to destroy its surplus wealth. It had no surplus wealth. It was an impoverished country masquerading as a first world nation. And then you get to the second slogan, freedom is slavery. So again, the idea here is that to be free is to actually be a slave. To be fully free means that you are a slave to your own impulses and only when you are liberated from individualism and you are subsumed under the rubric of the state can you experience true freedom. Now, in order to do that, you have to give up your own mind. And this brings us to ignorance is strength, which is the third slogan and the most important slogan of the state. Ignorance is strength. That when you give up your own mind to the state, then you find strength because now you are united with everybody else. You've been merged into the great collective. And the key to this, and this is, I think, Orwell's best point in the whole book. I think his, his best point is this. The key to this is the pushing of subjectivism, the pushing of the idea that you can create reality within your own mind. And this is what is constantly being pushed by O'Brien. O'Brien, of course, is the emissary of the, of the state who is trying to brainwash Winston. Right? And, uh, and Smith talks about this, right? He says, what was terrifying was not that they would kill you for thinking otherwise than that two plus two equals four, but that they might be right. For after all, how do we know that two plus two make four? Or that the force of gravity works? Or that the past is unchangeable? If both the past and the external world exist only in the mind, and if the mind itself is controllable, what then? So the idea is that you destroy all objective truth. And once you've destroyed all objective truth, all that is left is the subjective. And then when you apply pressure to the subjective mind, what you do is you destroy freedom. Because again, you can think yourself into anything is the premise here. Now, there is an external world, right? There are facts, there are realities out there. This is why it is very important for us to cling to the facts of life. If we do not cling to the facts of life, and if we believe that all reality is made up inside of our tiny pea brains, then it's very easy for people to exert control, to use the power of, of the culture, to use the power of the government, to compel you to think things. Because after all, reality is created in your brain. It is not an external thing out there for you to discover. This is Orwell's great point. The, the, the most dangerous philosophical thing you can get into is radical subjectivism, and that is where we are as a society. And he keeps hammering that home, right? He hammers that home over and over and over in 1984. Right? A, a cor- it's described in the book as, quote, every record has been destroyed or falsified. Every book has been rewritten. Every picture has been repainted. Every statue and street and building has been renamed. Every date has been altered. And that process is continuing day by day, minute by minute. History has stopped. Nothing exists except an endless present in which the party is always right. So what is the hope here? Right? It's a pretty hopeless book. It's a pretty grim book, right? By the end, Winston, who has fought... Pretty grim reality we live in right now. Essentially by taking the lover. And again, I think that that is a, a, a misstatement of how you fight back against totalitarianism. It, it really is not about emotional subjectivism. It's about vital institutions that you build on top of your emotional feeling for other people. So institutions like marriage, institutions like church, you need those to fight the state. Otherwise, they can be wiped away. Winston falls in love with Julia. They have a relationship. The state destroys it anyway. So he says that he has hope in in the proles. 
And Trotsky says this too. He has hope for the lower classes because the lower classes still grip tight to their personal relationships. It really isn't about that. It's about the fact that elites in society have a nasty tendency to tear down the institutions that are necessary in order to allow life to continue normally. And the proles grip those institutions tightly. It turns out that William F. Buckley once suggested that he'd rather be governed by the first 200 names in the Boston phone book than the then the William faculty at Harvard. Buckley. The reason for that is because the faculty at Harvard think themselves into the belief that they can get rid of all the institutions. Whereas normal people, they live within those institutions. They live marriage. They live family. They live school. They live church. The faculty at Harvard think they can get... Ben Shapiro went to Harvard. Absolutely necessary. Right? That really is the hope. There's one other point that I think Orwell is wrong about. There's a lot he's right about. There's one other point that I think Orwell is wrong about in the book. And that they, is, they want to get rid of institutions, even though the institutions are their power. That the reason that what in the fuck is he talking about? It's almost a nihilistic desire for power. It is not about some sort of higher cause. I don't think that's right. I don't think that communists actually believe in just pure power rule. I think it's actually, forgive the phrase, a slur against Stalin. I don't think that Stalin was just about promoting his own power. He actually was a utopian. As the philosopher Karl Popper suggested, utopianism is the danger. It is not just that you have nefarious movie villains who twirl their mustache and talk about, we're so powerful, we're going to use our power to abuse everyone else. There are some people like that, for sure. Barry, I'm looking at one! For a while, the head of the GRU, he was like that. But most people who do the most damage in life are people who are actual ideological utopians who believe that they can cure the problems of humanity if you give them enough power. And that we see every single day in American politics and, unfortunately, all over the world. Oh, no, I'm really... I'm really bummed out now. I bummed myself out. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to... I'll go play video games or something and... Ape. Damn, I've got so much more show to go. I almost cried last night when we were doing the story about the residential schools in Canada. And then we've got this, they're talking about authoritarianism. They're doing this convoy to Ottawa. Maynard is just, like, all over here right now. I don't know what his deal is. I've tried to grab him to show some cat on the on the team, but he's he's elusive. He and I have been having issues today. I was having knee problems last night and didn't go to sleep until, like, well after 4 o'clock. I was hesitant to take a Tylenol after what happened a few weeks ago, but I finally... Broke down and took one and was able to finally go to sleep. Seven o'clock, the cat, Mr. Maynard here, decided it was time for me to wake up. Smokey was, like, usually he doesn't small spoon. He flips the other way and paw in my fucking face. But he had small spooned me. So, like, I was spooning with Smokey and we were so comfortable. And this little asshole... He scratches the wall with his claws. Mew, 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 mew. Non-fucking-stop. He hops up on my TV stand in the bedroom. And he starts smacking the blinds. 
Like, I don't want to roll them up any fucking further because then the, the sun will hit me in the eyes while I'm in bed. They're like high. I don't know how he fucking gets to them. He starts smacking the blinds just to be as annoying as he can. You're a little shit. Finally, I got up and fed him. Fed all of them, of course. Not just not just the one. But feeding Smokey meant that, like, yeah, he was ready to go. It was morning time. He wanted to go out on the patio and look at some birds. So then, when I lay back down, fucking Smokey goes to the door. Meow, meow, meow. And here's the thing is Smokey, he goes outside all the time. That's his thing. But, like... He don't understand it's fucking in the teens or 20 degrees. It's been fucking cold here. He don't fucking get it. He goes outside for one minute, comes right the fuck back in. And I mean, knocks all over the fucking door. Like, let me in, let me in. It's fucking cold out here. Well, three minutes later, he fucking forgot it was cold outside and wants to go right back out. And it is the most annoying goddamn thing. I'll lay down on the couch. I'll have my chocolate milk at the ready. I'm playing video games. I'm all huddled up in blankets. Fucking Smokey wants to go outside. And he'll get up and he'll start fucking with my curtains over here. He has tore my fucking curtains completely to fucking shreds on that side. Because he knows it'll get my attention if he fucks with the curtains. He's fucking smart cats. But he's not smart enough to realize it's fucking cold outside. He doesn't want to be out there. Anyway, that's my rant for the day. Other than the rant about all the fucking authoritarian shit the right wing is doing. They gave Jesse Waters a show. I wish I could open the door to the summer. I, I fucking please. Springtime can't get here fast enough. I don't know what it is. It's not supposed to be cold where I'm sitting. I live in the Gulf Toast. Why is it cold here? It's not supposed to get down the teens and the 20s. Fuck. I think I hear one of them throwing up now. Like, ah, cats. Gonna snow tomorrow? You're shitting me. Fuck. Fuck. And you're excited about snow at the beach. What the hell? What is up with people? Wait a minute. Is Mardi Gras going on already? I thought that was like... Being in March or some shit. Oh yeah, we got a bomb cyclone hitting the East Coast. Is that what is that what is affecting us right now? Nor'easter. There's your titties, warlord. I hope you're happy. Oh, God damn. I did. I did give you... Oh. I thought you redeemed something. 
Yeah, but it takes him a minute. He still goes outside and looks around, but then he comes right back in. So I've I've went yeah too cold for titties. So I've 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 gone and laid back down on the couch. The motherfucker is like, let me in, let me in. It's cold out here. Socks over here. Socks over here being an awesome cat. He's just the sweetest fucking cat in the world. Doesn't ask too much. Gets upset when his his bowl isn't filled up. But he isn't impatient about it. Alright, so... This is from the Detroit Metro Times. This is a piece on a... My guests... Detroit News Station. An activist taking a mail-ordered abortion pill live on the air. Life activist Rebecca Kiesling and reproductive health care advocate Jex Blackmore. Jex, I want to start with you. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. So we got a pro-life activist. Which, by the way, same funding. Same funding as all the people that are funding the Tea Party. Same people that are funding goddamn Alec, the legislative fucking shit. Same people that are funding the book banning brigade. Same people that are funding anti-vax misinformation. Same people that fund the Daily Wire. I've looked at your website and your social media. You seem to be promoting abortion pills which the CDC did allow through mail order. Uh, In fact, there are posters around the country now promoting abortion pills. Good. Guess number one, are they dangerous? And number two... The old dude has his mind blown. Are you advocating stocking up on abortion pills in case Roe versus Wade is overturned? Yes, so they are incredibly safe, safer than Viagra or Tylenol. Uh... They've actually been in um, medical practice since two. Tylenol can be deadly. You can OD on that shit. I found out the hard way. So if you order it through the mail, there'd be the same thing you would receive if you were to walk into a clinic. And the change that recently happened is previously you had to actually physically go to a doctor to receive at least the first of the medication. And now you can get it sent to you through the mail. Uh, on a sliding scale, and um, and it is uh, extremely easy and uh, private and allows you to really self-manage your abortion. And Charlie, I just really, I want to share with you really quickly, like, this... They this fund the organizations without the organization. The first of two pills you would take to end They wouldn't be as successful as they are. induce an abortion, this very pill, um, by blocking the hormone and allowing a pregnancy to grow. And I want to show you how easy it is and safe it is by taking it myself. You're taking it. Are you? Are you not? Are you? You're not pregnant, are you? Uh, I would say that this is going to end uh, a pregnancy. Rebecca. This would be my third abortion. Wow, that doesn't happen often, Rebecca. Your reaction? Oh, she's shocked. Yeah, fucking. It's uh, safe. It's apparently very easy. And um, and and the use of the abortion. She's outraged. Twenty percent since back in two thousand and ten. What's your feeling on that? Are you okay with that? 
Well, first of all, I have a lot of friends who had abortions through the abortion pill, and really there's no date. Nope, 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 no, 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 you didn't. I see this all the time with right-wingers. They're like, I have plenty of trans friends I talk about these issues with. No, you fucking don't. Trans people don't associate with you. I got a black friend that says I can say the N-word. That's the argument you're making. You don't know fucking anybody that took any of those fucking pills. ...and losing your baby, you know, screaming in your bathroom and going through contractions and having to scoop up your, you know, baby's part off the bathroom floor. Um, you can reverse the abortion pill, first of all. I have babies named after me where I helped connect them to doctors who could give them the regimen of hormones that they need in order to reverse the abortion pill. There are many women that end up regretting after taking the first pill and they can go through that abortion reverse. Just look up abortionpillreversal.com. Um, it still ends a human life. It's not safe for the baby, obviously. And... Um, are, are you okay? There's no dignity in this. Let me just take that a little bit. Are you? Uh, there's a morning after pill. Just, just, just to be clear, if you take this abortion pill, do not try to reverse it. Just get cummed in again. Please, please. What the fuck? This woman is batshit. That you can get over the counter. Are you okay with a morning after pill? That apparently is not uh, an abortion. It's different. Medically different. Rebecca? Well, the American Council of OBGYN defines pregnancy. Also, her fucking equipment is shit. So they'll say that it doesn't, uh, it's not an abortion, but it operates three ways. So it can prevent ovulation, but if there is ovulation, it can prevent uh, implantation. And that takes about a week after a child is conceived. Yeah, and Sparkles has a great sounding mic now. If and child conceived, then that's something that you absolutely... Her internet has been aborted. It's a shame that women aren't even given that information, that they're not told the truth about how that operates, right. so that women who do that... Yeah, cut her off. She sounds like shit. ...with such information. Okay, r- real quick, I only have a l- limited time here. Uh, I-, I want each of your opinion on Roe versus Wade, how the Supreme Court will rule, because there is a case, at least it's up there now. Rebecca, real quick, this case that they're talking about, how do you think the Supreme Court will rule? Well, I think that the court usually would tailor a case to the... This statute is only a 15 As if she knows shit about the law. Why are we asking her anything? The abortion lobby really was arguing the case that in order to uphold the statute, you have to overturn over Wade. But I think that um, Justice Roberts is not inclined to do that. And I think there may be another conservative justice that won't fully overturn Roe versus Wade. I think they may. She's pissing me off for multiple reasons. Okay. All right. You'd have to have one of the heartbeat cases in front of them. All right. There's another another case going to come. Jax, real quick, your prediction on what this Supreme Court will do with the case that's in front of it right now. You know, I can't say for sure, and I also want to note that it doesn't actually matter because we are going to continue accessing abortion through shareabortionpill.info. 
we can manage our own abortion. And we've actually, through the mail, expanded. Did you say shareabortionpill.info? I'm sure just Google abortion pill. Right, well, we certainly will be watching this case. No question about that. First of all, thank you. I appreciate both of you being here today. And again, we will follow up on this issue. She is amazing. What was her name? Jex Blackmore. Jex Blackmore was the activist. Email Blackmore confirmed to Metro Times that she did, in fact, take Mephipristone, the first of two pills used for a medically induced abortion. Blackmore says she has previously had both medical and surgical abortions and decided to take the pill on live TV to show how safe abortion pills are and to help destigmatize them. Good on her. Blackmore's appearance on Fox 2 uh, came over the weekend to coincide with the 49th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. I don't think they're going to strike it down, but they're effectively going to end Roe v. Wade. That's 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 my take on it. it, it Roe v. Wade ends in practice, but doesn't end in theory. So we have spent uh, pretty much an, uh, the last hour, hour and fifteen, talking about the authoritarian right wing and all the ways they are. Fucking cracking down the whip on us. But here, let's hear from a comedian. A comedian. But how it's actually the left and their authoritarian COVID policies. But what fucking, what, what fucking COVID policies are authoritarian when Sarah Palin could just go eat at a restaurant, the same fucking restaurant, twice, COVID positive, without a fucking uh, mask on? Scoutyourabortion.com. Hell yeah. Thank you, Merkin. Excellent brand of water. Yes, I can't read that. My eyes don't go that far. Yes, clap. Clap, you minions. But don't look at me when you're clapping. I'll destroy How you. many misogynistic comments is he going to make the cat? No, shut up. <laughs> so it's like a 15-minute segment. How many misogynistic comments? Five? Six? Like adults. Others are acting like children. Who wants to under over on this? Children like adults. And I'm not even talking about CNN producers. <laughs> but first to the pandemic news that's affecting our nation. Okay, that was kind of funny, but only cat got it. Washington, D.C., our state. Everybody else was too cat. stupid to even get his joke. Clubs. Have allegedly been warned. He was he was referring to the what was two producers now have been caught diddling kids or one one was caught with kitty porn or some shit. That was a funny joke. That was the funniest joke I've ever heard out of Greg Gutfeld. CNN producers treating children like adults. Nobody got it except Cat. Nobody else on the panel laughed, and that was the best joke he's had on this show. Fucking wow. About their dancers not wearing masks. In a hard-hitting investigative report, the Daily Caller finds that multiple strip clubs... The fucking Daily Caller! ...on masks. This includes apparently the strippers who are supposed to cover their noses and mouths, even if their butts aren't. Now, this is a personal point. I would not mind the rule in the daytime, you know, when the clubs aren't exactly fielding the first string. Day shift. Wow. Yeah. 
But really, how can you enjoy a good lap dance, sir, if you can't understand? You know, it's almost like it's a respiratory virus that is transmitted uh, from the mouth, not the butt, Greg. And the stripper story about how she's just doing this temporarily to put herself through med school. <laughs> and what kind of mask do you wear when stripping? I had to ask Stuart Varney. <laughs> and no, they do not make an N95 and latex. God knows I've looked all over Pete Hex's office. <laughs> but the strippers, I bet they're not pleased. We go to one for comment. A bear strip club. I can dream, Tyrus. <laughs> On the other coast, it's worse. The L.A. Unified School District said it's banning students from wearing cloth masks. They must now wear well-fitted non-cloth masks with a nose wire at all times, including outdoors. Well, at least that'll prepare them for a future. I've been surgical mask from the beginning. And grab, which are both very popular vocations in L.A. right now. <laughs> but what are you supposed to do? I guess it's time for... Greg Gutfeld's desperate rant to end this book. Here's one thing we didn't expect. How authoritarianism was unleashed in businesses by our government. The government made the regulations which put, put it on waitresses and hostesses and mattress salesmen to force you to comply. And then it was up to the cops to arrest you if you didn't. So while the government looks benign, it's your neighbors who became the enforcers. What better way to unify a nation's people than force them into the roles of cops and robbers? You couldn't divide people any more efficiently with a table saw. But he said it was the cop's job to arrest you if you didn't comply. But you know what? A lot of people liked it. People became okay with incremental authoritarianism, like the frog in that slow boiling water, an experiment I'm sure Fauci invented, this sick bastard. They enjoyed the moments without knowing how it all will end. Like giving Jesse Waters his own show. <laughs> it gave obnoxious... I can't believe somebody did that. See, authoritarianism doesn't just show up one day screaming, hey, everyone, I'm an authoritarian. It comes gradually, step by step, like an undetected malignant tumor. It just grows. And who knew that entertainers and journalists, usually considered skeptics of power, would happily embrace becoming the man. This is what I call face masks. It's a Socrates. You know, I, I've, I've made it clear I can't stand seeing people walking around without a mask. This is what we're doing to protect our families. And you don't have to do it, but stay away from everybody. How dare you? But yeah, here's the thing is when you see somebody with a mask, you know they're actually taking this seriously. They're probably taking all the precautions that you need to do. If you see somebody without a mask, you just think they're a dumb fuck. You be so flippant, man. How dare you be so flippant? It's also a question of manners. Good manners. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. If you scare people by not wearing a mask, no, you uh, And so the rebels have become the establishment, choosing fear over risk management. But risk management is not just brave. I think Whoopi Goldberg, Geraldo, and Howard Stern have been the establishment for a very long time, Gutfeld. Zero. That destroys society. You'd have to lock yourself in the basement to survive. And like I said to Joe DeVito's robot girlfriend, that's no The whole pig vomit thing was going on in, like, what, the mid-'80s? People in love with their own authority. You can't wrestle fear away from them. Like a vaping pen to cat, it's too important to them. The people in charge right now aren't risk managers. They're ass protectors trying to keep themselves from being fired, sued, or even arrested. 
and they deserve little respect given they never what? gave us the whole story. Those of you listen to the podcast, he has a picture of Fauci and Walensky up on the screen. A 10-year-old skateboarder somehow has the same risk profile as a 65-year-old obese smoker. So they both must mask up and outside. It's like hiring a tax accountant for your six-year-old who ran a lemonade stand, you know, because it's April and you just never know. Fact is, the government isn't crazy about telling you about your lower risk profile because then you won't adhere to their uniform rules. So the government needs to have a uniform risk, which is a uniform lie that creates. It doesn't matter our risk profile to die. We're trying to mitigate the spread. And our risk profile has nothing to do with mitigating the spread. Fuck, Greg Gutfeld is stupid. Fuck, Ben Shapiro is stupid. I don't, I hate these people. I don't want to live here anymore. It's a uniform panic. It's why they never talked about worst timeline metrics of bad health. They preferred you scared. Screw them. Remember, it wasn't you or me who made the virus. They, they prefer. They prefer you scared. About the actual real virus going on. Not, 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 not the shit that fucking Fox is peddling to keep old people scared all day long about critical race theory in your schools, about the woke mob coming for you, about how Antifa is going to attack you in the streets, about how they're, they're, they're killing cops and fucking, like, what all else, like, that's all Fox does is keep dumb people scared of shit that doesn't actually happen. Shitting on the streets of San Francisco, just widespread muggings and and coordinated jewelry store robbings. It is Fox News is nothing but fear porn. Unless they need to undermine a legitimate threat to your health. out it was them if it were you you'd be receiving your dinner through a slot in your cell door for the rest of your damn life but the people who thought it was fine to increase lethality and contagiousness of coronaviruses in wuhan are now lecturing us about risk it's nuts let's hear it from brett january 27th fauci is told the national institute of allergy and infectious diseases has been indirectly funded now once again this is them this is them as you're listening to this Remember, this is them going back and forth. So they legitimately considered lab leak to be possible. New evidence. Now, that's that Fox isn't going to show that. But new evidence came out that made them pretty confident that it wasn't a lab leak. On lab through EcoHealth Alliance, a U.S.-based scientific nonprofit that had been working with novel coronaviruses. January 31st, Dr. Christian Anderson, a noted virologist at the Scripps Lab, privately tells Fauci that after discussions with his colleagues, some of... Somebody didn't kill their mics. Fucking Gutfeld and Kat were talking back and forth there. And, quote, the genome is inconsistent with... My mic's still open now. I can hear the whole studio. So, when will they be held accountable? I predict it'll happen when Kat beats Tyrus in arm wrestling. And now they talk about a new variant of Omicron. We could have another variant arise in the future that looks more like Omicron than previous variants. 
There you go. It's the war without end framework. And so as one variant leaves, another one shows up. As one That's how a pandemic works, you asshole. It's COVID. It was also in climate change. It's also in racism. You'll keep paying for an emergency that never ends. And we've seen how wars with no endgame end up going on forever. Vietnam, Afghanistan, the drug war, sex in the city. <laughs> the only way to stop... How can you... How can you compare... Public sentiment ended those wars. Holy fuck. do the same thing now. Because it's not me who decides when this ends. It's you. You understand risk. You follow the science. As we close in on February 1st, it's time for some good old-fashioned group civil disobedience. Don't wear the mask. Hell, burn the damn thing. That worked with bras and draft cards in the 1960s. And also the house I burned down because the voices told me to. <laughs> when someone asks you to remask, say, that's not following the science, and then leave. Go somewhere else. If we all do this together, it ends. Because if you don't do it, yeah, no. like a stupid fucking screwed. sheep. Hopefully, <laughs> not knowing what you're fucking talking about. They call his jokes bits because the laughs are so tiny. <laughs> Writer and comedian Joe DeVito. She talks so fast her mouth gets shin splints. Outnumbered co-host Emily Campagno. Shitty jokes indeed. She's the girl of your dreams if you want a blonde Freddy Krueger. Fox News contributor Cat Tim. And if you're looking for his house, just climb up the beanstalk. My massive sidekick in the NWA World Television. Somebody call his mama. Emily, good the to former see Brodus you. Clay from WWE. Uh, um, you look good in leather. Thank I've you. Said, you know, not a lot of. Did he call him the NWA champion because he's not the champion; he's the TV champion. Because <laughs> it's very tight. I was talking over it. How do people end this? Right? I keep I keep giving this advice, Emily, but I'm not really giving practice. Trevor Murdoch is the NWA champion. It's when one person does something and then another person sees that person do something and then that activity becomes contagious. Yeah, and I actually think that you did propose the solution in your monologue when you said it's about public sentiment Mm -hmm. and the public showing up and standing up in the way of civil disobedience in a nonviolent way. Mm -hmm. So to the mask point, they're in, in L.A. in Los Angeles school district, right? So now they have to wear this certain kind of mask with a with a nose thing. Right. And that means... Like a surgical mask. The priority or the higher. The teachers' union and the schools there. It means that the priority is not on mental health. It's not on the fact that in the last semester alone they've seen more... It's on stopping the pandemic. ...for disciplinary measures, more violence, student on students, students on teachers, than they have in any year combined. And that was just one semester. So those kids have reported feeling three out of four... Uh, notions of, of suicide. They blame social media. They blame the lockdown. There are so many things happening that these kids are in agony. And yet that goes to show what their priority, which is conformity to those specific type of masks. And just like flying on airplanes. What lockdown? There hasn't been a lockdown in this fucking country in a year and a half now. Any any kind of meaningful lockdown. For the trees. If they cared about kids, it would be different. But the point is, if the parents said, no, absolutely not. If there was some kind of actual standing up yeah. for themselves that's the only way this is going to change the anti-mask party joe mm-hmm. this is like the team i can feel it i actually could i can smell the change in the air either that and or- the wild thing about this is every single person that is off camera in that studio has a mask on there's a strict mask mandate at fox 
every single person in that studio is also vaccinated. There is a strict vaccination mandate at Fox. It's cat. Oh, God. Oh, I know who's shocking you went with me there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, now that it's in the strip clubs, I think it's game over. Yes. It's nonsense yes. that wearing... The only time I want to see anything covered up in a strip club is if there's cesarean scars involved. <laughs> oh, God. Why I really have to stop going on the lunch Fuck ship. off. Uh, I think what we're seeing here now is people, this is their moment. This mm-hmm. is their moment to be a tyrant. This is their moment to freak out, and it's what makes them feel good, is to be able to put the thumb down on somebody. And we're seeing it in schools, and this is really, it's becoming child abuse at this point. Because I can guarantee you, these schools where rich people's kids go, they're not making them wear masks. We see it when we see... Bullshit! Bullshit! It is the high-end schools that have the strictest mask policy. Children need to see faces when they're young. They need to have this interaction. Bullshit! And if people don't believe me, look up the Romanian orphanages where they raise these children as if they were livestock. I mean, you would think they would know, like, they're the rich people. Not that I know a lot about Romania, but Ceausescu, their dictator, was giving a speech and he was in power one day and it took one... Or they're still doing remote. Yeah, you're right, Dustin. Everyone else started yelling, and before you know it, he was executed within 24 hours and those people were free. So it takes free people to stand up and fight for this. Yeah, interesting. Do you care to respond to that, or let's talk about the strip club? Well, yeah, I would like to say there's worse things to catch at a strip club. <laughs> that is like a child. Yeah. So. <laughs> Ask Hunter Biden. Uh, you're not supposed to touch the strippers, let alone fuck them. Yes. You know, great point about the masks, but I just... <laughs> I've done some fucking in a strip club, but it's because I worked there. I'll take COVID any time, but, <laughs> yes. um, but I love them. It... <laughs> What's frustrating to me is the mask is literally, if you follow the science, it's for you. I feel like we keep repeating ourselves. It doesn't keep no. you from getting it. It maybe can keep you from maybe spreading some things, but you can't keep the mask on 24-7. It's for you. It can keep you from spreading things. I love pro wrestling, but why the fuck would you have a pro wrestler on to discuss Masking. Especially this one. Tyrus is not the... Not the brightest bulb. Seven, you just can't do it. You go on the airplane where, sir, put your mask over your nose, as you know, as you were shamed for it. Yes, I But was. if you order a Sprite... You could take it off. So literally, if you have a lollipop in your mouth on an airplane, your mask's off mm-hmm. the entire flight or until, you know, how many looks does it get to a Tootsie Pop? Now it's 147. Yeah. You know, I love so, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And it, it's frustrating and you see people's frustrating and it's causing so much division. People are so angry with each other. Yeah. You're causing the division. Each other. We saw that elevator right. thing from last night. So I think your point is spot on, man. Until everyone just says enough. It's mm-hmm. going to continue to be this way because we're going to have like 17 versions of Omicron. Yeah, no, it's it, 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 all this, it, it's like battles in a war that they want to stay in a battle. It's like, oh, well, now we have another battle coming up. It's a battle for this. Yeah, that's what I feel like we're in this weird. Country. They're going to run out of names. Yes, they're they going like, to repeat names. it. It's going to be like yeah. Omicron 17. Yes. COVID-19. A, a sub variant. Yes. Kat, um, would you? Uh, how do you oh, feel, my uh, God. Um, I think it's like most things, it should be up to the individual stripper. Yes. <laughs> like, 
I think we should all, we allow more in strip clubs. Yeah, yeah. And most do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. Just like masking kids out doesn't make sense, especially outside. Yeah, nobody crazy. thinks, but nobody thinks that. Like, there's no way that everybody that's in charge of running the Los Angeles, you know, school district actually thinks that we need to mask kids outside. Pretty sure everybody probably knows that, but they're too afraid to say something. If they're in groups, if they're like out on a playground talking to each other, yes, they should mask. Given the Omicron variant. Now, earlier variants weren't as virulent and didn't spread when you were outside. That was one of the reasons why the... Uh, George Floyd protests that erupted in 2020 didn't get considered super spreader events because they were outside. Which I guess it's, you know, bad in your own life, but it's even worse when, you know, it's kids' lives, which again, this pandemic has done the impossible. It's made me care about people's kids. I know. I hate <laughs> children. I've you know, never. Speaking of wires, has not anyone seen that? Uh, it doesn't seem like it's that you're trying to get as many killed as possible. Everyone's going to get cross-eyed. Oh, you, that, know, you didn't see that? I mean, OptiGrab. Yeah, OptiGrab. Yeah. See, I did. I, I did. What? Yeah. Yeah. See, that's what I, lo- I learned something new every day. Can't wait to see the Super Bowl. No one's going to be masked. All right. What? Oh, Emily? I just. Well, I just wanted to did say that burp? at that. No. Okay. At that no, I one. Think she I think she no, did. I did. Felt like it. Right, yeah. No, I did not. <laughs> at that one strip club, Archibald, they yes. have half magnums, half price magnums on Saturday night. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> that's amazing. Are you sponsored? What? Shout out. I wonder if it's the Super Bowl this Sunday. We'll have to find out. (laughs) Hey, Sean Hannity here. Hey, click here to subscribe to Fox News YouTube. Don't. Do not subscribe to Fox News YouTube. Actually, go and turn them off so you will not get suggestions for their videos. Talk about being divisive and, you know, making threats and shit. This woman got charged after making a threat to a school board a few days ago, but I haven't had a chance to to do this story. And it kind of fits in perfectly here with what we're talking about now, doesn't it? A Virginia mom charged today with making a threat while on school property, threatening to show up with loaded guns if her kids are required to wear masks at school. Watch. So it's three minutes. Mm-hmm. All right. No mask mandates. My child, my children will not come to school on Monday with a mask on. All right. I, w- I wonder where she got this idea from. That she needed to stand up and, and, and rebel. That's not happening. They like Gutfeld asked her to. Every single gun loaded and ready to, I, I will call every. That's three minutes. You, you don't pass your time. It's a policy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'll see y'all on Monday. Why was she not fucking putting cuffs then? School board member later reading Amelia King's apology for the threat. I in no way meant to imply all guns loaded as an actual firearms, but rather all resources I can muster to make sure that my children... My sincere apologies for my poor choice in words. I'm absolutely mortified. I would never do such a thing. I was only speaking figuratively as in notifying the press and creating a social media stir 
Nonetheless, I'm beside myself. I've already contacted the sheriff's office to explain myself. I never meant to imply I would show up with actual firearms. I'm not a dangerous person. I'm not a threat. I'm so very sorry for the way it came across. People Sounds like that was written by a lawyer. In disbelief there. So I want to talk about this with National, CNN National Security Analyst Juliet Kayyem. Juliet, wow. Remember when uh, they were talking about being on the lookout for, for potential terroristic threatening? This is a correct response. School board meetings. And the school. Yeah. Yes. I, 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 the harm is the statement, not whether she was serious or whether she would do it uh, on Monday. She would go with with guns. It is the say that again. The, the harm the, is the statement. The harm is the statement. It's brought violence into a debate about masking, and and it's brought violence to the school district and the school and the threat of violence so much so that the school district's going to respond with a heavier police presence on Monday. Her intent... And this is going to run the good people out of school boards. Uh, and, and I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. Does not want... And these, these to goddamn... To ...mean that it doesn't have consequences. Crazy-ass right-wingers are going to win elections. Here's Sarah Palin without a mask. Former Alaska governor... Sarah Palin also made headlines this week when her definition... Remember all those authoritarian COVID measures that Gutfeld was talking about? This is in liberal-ass New York. Dining outdoors at a Manhattan restaurant. Again, she was just, just diagnosed with COVID. Dr. Wen, if you're diagnosed with COVID, is it safe to go to a restaurant if you dine outside? No, it is not. What the CDC guidelines very clearly state is that for the first five days after you are first diagnosed with COVID, you should be isolating. You should not be in public. Five days after that, you're able to go out in public, but only if you're wearing a well-fitting mask the entire time. You should certainly not be dining with others. Actually, the CDC explicitly says you should not be dining with others in that second five-day period. Outdoors certainly is better than indoors. However, you're still sitting next to people. You're sitting across people i just don't think it's a responsible thing to be it wasn't exactly outdoors it was like an enclosed structure that was constructed so please if you are diagnosed on the sidewalk please stay home please follow isolation guidelines please don't spread the infection further unclear what day palin first tested positive for covid 19 cnn has reached out to palin's attorney for comment he gave the impression that it was on Monday. That was the day the trial was supposed to start. That would have been the first day that she actually was tested. I would assume. Not only do we have propagandists on Fox promoting misinformation to the behest of billionaires for ratings and clicks, we've got politicians riding the wave. Trying to coast to a a presidential nomination, I would assume. This is Governor Ron DeSantis's new ad. Some major flip-flopping. People should not be walking around with masks. Masks work. Fully vaccinated, you are protected, and you do not need to wear a mask. If you are vaccinated, you should still wear a mask. You really better be very careful before you bring the children back. 
The default position should be to try as best as possible to keep the children in school. Right now, at this moment, there is no need to change anything that you're doing on a day-by-day basis. I would like to see a no context of the personal interaction that we see. So, so let me clarify that because there was a little bit of a misunderstanding. Exclusive freedom flip-flops from rondesantis.com. <laughs> really is a cyberpunk dystopia without the fucking cool aesthetics and shit. Fuck! They've got a whole bunch of truckers riled up about this shit. Two days until the convoy arrives in Ottawa. This is a war. So I didn't I didn't know what the song was. I, I took it down. Took the audio down. Just to not get a Copyright claim. What is it? Don't stand up for something you follow. Don't wait till the world that we know. This is the revelation of our generation losing civilization. I'm determined. Just liberate us with our dedication. Fuck the Terminator. Fuck your medication. The administration cannot alienate us. I'll keep. What? Something about praying and salvation. Because you know Jesus would say to fuck your medication. Keep your house painted for the first word. There's all kinds of religious references in this. This was a TikTok or some shit. Why does it keep going to Caitlin Bennett pregnant? Why is that always the next thing I see? Jesus! Facebook, you got you got me twisted. Here is Justin Trudeau's response to the truckers heading to Ottawa. To underline that close to 90% of truckers in this country are vaccinated. Like close to 90% of Canadians. Over the past many months and years now, Canadians have stepped up to protect each other, to protect our frontline workers, to protect our elders, to protect our young people, to protect people like truckers who are putting food on our grocery store shelves. Canadians have stepped up to do the right thing to protect the freedoms and the rights of Canadians to get back to the things we love to do. We know the way he is handsome though I'd fuck him. is by getting everyone <laughs> vaccinated and the overwhelming majority close to 90% of Canadians have done exactly that 
the small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing do not represent the views of Canadians fringe minority for each other who know they're amplified the science and stepping up to protect each other is the best way to continue to ensure our freedoms, our rights, our values as a country. The, the right wing is jumping all over this and saying, oh, the mainstream media won't cover it, but now they got Joe Rogan on their side. Joe Rogan talking about the convoy, the pro-liberty convoy, they're calling it. Do you know about this? Show this video. Look at this video. Go, Jamie. Jamie. Huge. Look at my girl forever. This is by Atchison outside of Edmonton, heading to Calgary, January 23rd. It's a giant convoy of trucks that's apparently some insane amount of people, like 50,000 trucks, that are headed to Ottawa to protest the vaccine mandates by Trudeau. He had a show in, like, Toronto on 420. They're all in Canada. They're all in Canada. It's all Canadian truckers. Because apparently... He has canceled that. He's in, He's in like, fucking... Uh, like, hey, we don't even contact anybody. He lives in Austin. What's, a, uh, what's, the, what's one of the other major cities? Fort Worth. That's where he's at. He's in, like, Fort Worth for 420 now. Why Caitlin Bennett every time? Facebook! Jesus! Trump spotted golfing. Refers to himself as the 47th president. Lucky to be one up. Lucky. We'll be lucky if we're up. We got it, we got it. First on G. 45th president of the United States. 45th and 47th. 47th. Yes. I love that. that. Mr. Donald Trump. Ladies and gentlemen, Trump National. Beautiful. Beautiful. What an easy game. I think it's pretty boring to be in the middle all the time. You want to keep it low. That wind's stronger than you think, eh? 45th and 47th. The fact that that's a very real possibility freaks me the fuck out. I mean, I assume a lot of shit is going to happen in the next fucking three years. I assume financially he will not be in any position to run for president, but who the fuck knows? I, even if he is able to avoid jail for all the different investigations that are going on, it's going to take a hell of a lot of money to defend himself. All the civil and the criminal liability he has put himself in, the ongoing January 6th committee hearings. I, I don't see how he's going to be in a position to run. Hopefully, they're like... Like with Madison Cawthorn in North Carolina, they're actually challenging his ability to be on the ballot 
for siding with an insurrection. So hopefully they apply that to Trump. But then again, fucking, do I have confidence that the Democrats aren't going to drop the ball? Raskin's all over cable news acting like he's got a big dick swinging around. Well, let's see it. Not his actual, not literally his actual dick. Not my time. Oh, fuck. Let's see some action. Jen Psaki earlier today was asked about Biden possibly nominating Vice President Harris to the Supreme Court. So this should be an interesting little clip. Related to this, you can't detail what, like, doesn't every White House like to get ahead of this in case of a sudden passing in the case of Ruth Bader Ginsburg? None of that you can share? I'm not going to detail internal planning from here, no. Okay, then let me ask you a couple other questions. Is there any scenario in which the president would select his Vice President Kamala Harris for the Supreme Court? Again. Uh, there are people that would prop him up. Uh, any considerations, preparations, lists, um, and as we've stated earlier, and you heard the president say, uh, it is there's a long history of Supreme Court justices determining when uh, they may retire, if they retire, and announcing that. Uh, and we're going to, uh, that remains the case today. Clearly you are more wiser. Wait a minute, this is an old clip. We did this yesterday, we saw this clip yesterday. They actually made the announcement today. Questions then, so I will ask you. Breyer did. A different topic, and that's Vladimir Putin. The president saying yes that he would very much consider um, personally sanctioning him in the case of a Russian invasion. Can you give us a sense? Because Russia has dismissed or sort of poo-pooed that idea. I'm sorry, I fucked up completely. Or my list is wrong, or something. I don't know. Uh, since since they already asked about Putin, let's go to today's. Press conference with the the Pentagon press secretary, John Kirby. One more. The the number two of the State Department projected yesterday that uh, there could be an invasion by mid-February. Are you seeing that same intelligence? And if so, how are you making preparations around that intelligence? I'm not going to speculate on timing. Uh, We've always said and said for quite some time that... I was expecting uh, some kind of Bruce Campbell-like voice to come out of him. It could be imminent and... Imminent means imminent. And it didn't so happen. We're watching this every single day, and I, I think I'm just I'm gonna, very let down. I'm going to avoid the temptation to to guess as to what the timing would be. The only thing I'd add is, um, we still don't believe that there's been a final decision by Mr. Putin uh, uh, to launch another invasion. Uh, we still believe here at the department that there is time and space for diplomacy. I, I think you saw Secretary Blinken. Uh, uh, they talk about this just the other day and the state department has i don't i don't think they want diplomacy i think the war machine so hungry to hear their feedback on that so we still think there's time and space for diplomacy i think uh, obviously that's that's the preferred path here uh, to de-escalate in a, in a peaceful calm way and destabilize uh, without any shots being fired uh, but we're watching it every single day hey john sorry sorry to interrupt but uh, you said to la that it's imminent Destabilize? Why, why would you want it? Like, I, I assume he means like destabilize Russia. Imminent. But by imminent, I don't mean I'm telling you it's going to happen tomorrow. We've long said that. Uh, you know what imminent means, sir? That's why I like to make sure we're speaking the same. I think that's always a good idea, Tom. 
By imminent, I mean later. Again, we're not we're not going to be predicting here from the podium. Uh, we still believe there's time and space for diplomacy. We'd like to see a de-escalation. We'd like to see those troops go back home, uh, and we'd like uh, Mr. Putin to to take the right steps to. Uh... I don't think de-escalation is in the cards, and they're already saber rattling about the UAE and Saudi Arabia. This is the State Department. The Department issued a travel uh, advisory uh, advising Americans not to travel to uh, UAE because of COVID and uh, the missile and drones attacks. Um, to what extent are you worried about that? And uh, what are you doing to prevent Houthis from attacking UAE, the Americans there, and the military bases? Uh, well, Michelle, uh, this goes back to the conversation I was just having uh, with Matt. Uh, whenever we uh, deem it... What's that? Uh, Ship 100 tons of weapons to Ukraine? Alert, you got it, Jack. Uh, the American citizen community or to change our operating status, uh, we are under an obligation to make that public. And so that is what you saw us do today uh, when it comes to the UAE. Uh, we have, uh, in consultation with uh, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, for some time now uh, been issuing regularized, regularized guidance uh, to the American public uh, regarding recommendations for uh, travel or not uh, to countries uh, around the world. Uh, and so, as you noted in the advisory today, there was an element of that. Uh, when we, I was last up here, day before yesterday, uh, we spoke to the ongoing uh, Houthi aggression, uh, the ongoing Houthi attacks, uh, including uh, against um, countries in the region, Saudi Arabia and the UAE. Uh, of course, we have seen uh, attempted attacks and uh, attacks Agreed, dip. the UAE uh, and Saudi Arabia in recent days uh, alone. So this is an uh, issue that we are, uh, where we're cooperating very closely with our Emirati partners. We you guys weren't here for the whole show. Like, the beginning of the show really bummed me out. Holocaust Memorial Day and right-wingers are, are banning fucking Holocaust books and I'm just like I ain't having fun tonight. I'm plowing through this shit because I really bum myself out with the news. <laughs> as long as we don't have to cover the M&M's. <laughs> no M&M's tonight. No M&M's. I did have a, I did have a meme. Start off the night with a, a funny meme, I thought. I... I just... Republicans have gone full-on fucking fascist. That's just all there is to it. I've got no good transition to this one. These are like we're getting to the lighter shit in the show, I, I guess, other than the fact that we're talking about, like, the the worker movie. Oh, shit! I, I have yet to play a clip of Jesse Waters' new show. Just started this week. I didn't know this happened on Jesse Waters' show. Apparently, it's called Jesse Waters' Prime time, but was it 4.42? Oh, it's Pacific time. My bad, I'm sorry. 
I was like, Jesse Waters' prime time is on at 4.42? What the hell? I... I have no clue what went on. I know that the Reddit anti-work page has been temporarily made private. This is the appearance that resulted in that happening. Apparently, one of the moderators from the group... Oh, anti-work's back up? Okay. Well, I mean, they just made it private as of, like, yesterday. Uh, This happened, like, two nights ago or some shit. So, Jesse Waters had one of the moderators on. Apparently, they face-planted. ...in subscribers. Joining me now is the person who operates this anti-work group, Doreen Ford. All right, so, Doreen, why do you like the idea of being home, not working but still getting paid by corporate America. Yeah, uh, so there's some misconceptions about the movement. They are uh, no longer a mod. We're a movement where we want to reduce Probably the a amount good thing. of work that people feel like they f- they're forced to, to do, um, and so we want... Yeah, I think Waters introduced them as the founder. Like, it just says longest moderator. I don't, I don't know if... They are indeed the founder. We'll put in effort. We want to put in labor, um, but we don't want to necessarily uh, be in a position where we feel trapped. You know, um, you just quoted from Office Space, where that person feels very trapped in their job. I think we're calling for a society where there's less of that. Um, but yeah, absolutely, people still want to do things. They just want to do things where they feel rewarded and they feel like they're in a good spot in their life uh and that their job respects them and stuff like that um you know there's varying so you're uh, so doreen but you're not being forced to work this isn't this isn't slave labor you've you've applied for a job you've agreed to the terms and workers starve and you know you can walk away from that job at any time and quit so I don't understand yeah, really what this is about, sure. except it sounds like maybe people are just being lazy. Are you encouraging people well, sure. to be so, lazy? Um, so I think laziness is um, a virtue in a society where people constantly want you to be productive 24-7, and it's good to have rest. Um, that doesn't mean you should be resting all the time or not putting effort into things that you care about. But I think one of the What do you think is like a work- good work day? How many hours is, is you know, a solid work day in, in your ideal right. society? Uh, sure. I mean, I think as much as people want. I mean, I personally uh, work. I have, I have like a 20, 25-hour work weeks, which I think is fairly good. Um, so I would like less work hours. Um, and what I do you do, Doreen? Feel- why, why are why are you not talking about organizing? Okay. Yes. And how? Uh, yeah. So how I old are you, me- if you don't mind me asking? Sure, I'm thirty. You're thirty. Okay. And is there something you want to do besides being a dog walker? Do you aspire to do anything more than dog walking, or is that kind of your your pinnacle? Uh, I, I love working with dogs. If I had to do this for the rest of my life, you know, I wouldn't be super complaining. You know, dogs are wonderful animals. Uh, but I'm I would love to teach. Uh, I would love to, um, you know, this is a wasted opportunity. Three minutes on national television. Uh, a philosophy, mostly philosophy, philosophy, critical thinking, reason, stuff like that. Okay. 
Well, I would love to take your class, Doreen. I would just... Oh, I'm sure you would, Jesse. You know what? A professor's a very similar schedule than something that you're imagining. So I think that actually might, might work perfectly for you. Listen, uh, I think this might not be the greatest idea, but who am I to judge? To each their own, they say. It's a free country. Sure. Not everything's yeah. uh, free, you know. but it is a free country. <laughs> Thank you so much. Sure. we got to run. we got to pay the bills. So what you, what you guys are saying is, is that was, Doreen was a plant? Or Fox thought them out? I, I have no clue what the fuck went on. I do know that I had the alternative reddits for you guys. If you are on the reddit our work reform and our free from work are the reddit forums that have popped up during the time that anti-work was down I I have no clue what the fuck we just watched I do know that organizing works though and that's if I was to go on Fox News and talk about work, I'd be talking about shit like this. The alternate subs are very southern. I got them from a, a, a group I trust on Facebook. I'm not on Reddit. I probably should be. I mean, I have an account. I just don't actively get on there. Probably should be on there. But I'm not. But the group that I, I follow on Facebook that I love, they were the ones recommending those two other Reddit accounts. But like, if I had three minutes on national television to talk about work, I would be talking about organizing. Poorly paid bus drivers in rural Mississippi school district went on strike last Friday morning and by the end of the day... They had won an hourly pay raise of at least $5, lifting their wages to $20 an hour. The strike happened after the Jefferson Davis County... The Jefferson Davis County... The Jefferson Davis County School Board. I'm sorry, this is like the whole Orwell thing and them banning books and shit. Now I'm reading about the Jefferson Davis County School Board. And Gutfeld brought up, you know, they're, they're re, or no, it was Ben Shapiro. There is no history. They're renaming things. They're twisting Orwell. Now the fucking, the Jefferson Davis County should probably be renamed. Jefferson Davis County School Board authorized paying the, like, fucking... The president of the group that raised... 
that waged an insurrection against the United States government school board authorized paying $25 per hour to drivers hired on an emergency basis. The emergency pay proposal meant to incentivize retired teachers, coaches, and bus drivers to help alleviate the ongoing labor shortage. Because you retired teachers and coaches and bus drivers, retired older people who are more susceptible to this shit, that are in the high risk categories. Remember when Gutfeld was talking about how, like, fucking, your kids should be masked up in schools. We've got such a shortage that they're bringing back retired teachers and bus drivers and coaches. So your kids can't fucking wear a mask on the bus and make sure that these. High-risk groups are exposed to it. Jesus fucking. I fucking... I sit here and cover the news virtually every night with you guys. This has been hard on me. I'm fucking... Tonight has fucked with me. I'm sorry. Shit. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you. This is this has been rough. I mean, I, like it's important shit that we've talked about, but fuck, fuck. We're fucked. We're fucked as a country. Late-stage capitalism fucking sucks. Alabama coal miners on strike for 10 months now vow not to be starved out. They're still on strike. About 1,100 coal miners in Alabama have entered 2022 still on strike more than 10 months since they walked out back in April of last year. They get the longest strike in the U.S. since the COVID-19 pandemic began and the longest in Alabama's history. Workers started the unfair labor practice strike over claims of bad faith bargaining by Warrior Met Coal. I think I called it MetLife. That's a fucking insurance company or some shit earlier in the show. The previous contract settled in 2016. Miners accepted several concessions including a $6 an hour pay cut and reductions in health insurance and other benefits as the miners switched employers in the wake of a bankruptcy. Miners on strike have received support from U.S. politicians such as Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Tammy Baldwin, and Sherrod Brown and received donations to their strike fund from dozens of labor unions across the U.S. We're reading out of The Guardian, too. This isn't getting fucking major play on... U.S. corporate media, fuck off. For the past 10 months, they've held rallies and extended protests at the Alabama State Capitol to criticize the use of public resources for state troopers escorting strike-breaking replacement workers to the mines throughout the strike. Hey, that's nothing fucking new! My goddamn grandfather was forced to work by the barrel of a gun by the National Guard.
The miners have also held rallies in New York City outside the offices of Black Rock Investment Group, the largest shareholder of Warrior Met Coal. As of the 2nd of November, the strike has cost the company $6.9 million. But you, but you, even though it's costing you $6.9 million, noise. can't set a precedent, right? Then all the workers that come along are going to want higher wages. Seattle's concrete workers strike over low wages and unfair labor practices. So we're going to hear from Tim Davis here. He's one of 330 concrete mixer drivers and plant workers represented by Teamsters Local 174. Been on a general strike over unfair labor practices, accusing their employers of refusing to negotiate in good faith. The striking workers fear employers want to purge unionized workers from the area's construction industry and attempt to bankrupt the union through litigation. The industry is moving forward and we're falling behind, Davis said. The employers say they are family run, but I would never treat family like that. We were out on the picket line through the holidays in the cold. and There's over 300 other guys out there. They all have families and their health care or medical is up this month. That affects 300 families. There are others now being laid off and that affects their families. Some 34 dump truck drivers began striking on the 19th of November at Gary Merlino Construction with about 100 workers joining the strike on the 1st of December. The remaining workers launched an industry-wide strike on the 4th of December at six different employers that dominate the concrete industry in the Seattle area. Put on them. Now, somebody who really doesn't like unions is a man by the name of Elon Musk. I fucking hate Elon Musk. I always have. I'm glad I've always seen through this fucking charlatan. I've got friends that still ride his dick. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Now Elon Musk is beefing with a 19-year-old. Reading from papermag.com, it's come to our attention that the private jet belonging to tech tycoon Elon Musk does in fact have its own Instagram account, the domain of which belongs to 19-year-old Jack Sweeney. When he created this account with the intention of keeping tabs on Musk's jet, which although a humorous idea to begin with, is now being looked at as a potential security risk. The account uses public air traffic bots to track the plane's whereabouts and post updates to Twitter. In an attempt to avoid any stalkers or other probable uh, media accounts, last fall, Musk offered Sweeney $5,000 to take his account, Elon Jet, Offline, to which Sweeney countered his own offer of exactly one Model 3 Tesla, 
a Tesla internship, or upwards of 50 grand. <coughs> Enough to be put towards college or, you know, a Model 3. Musk is now being forced to think about it as the account continues to remain active and visible as of January 26th. Uh, I don't, like... It's not showing up on this site. I don't know if that means it's 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 not there anymore. Musk is now being for oh uh, according to a recent tweet by Musk, this isn't the only social media account that quite literally follows him, but it seems to be one of the few that can provide accurate reports on the jet's location in real life. In a recent statement, however, Sweeney acknowledged that this account is meant to only track the jet not those who may or may not be on board. In addition to the takeoff and landing locations, the Twitter feed also provides approximated flight times so you can actually track it yourself. Besides a typically busy college freshman work schedule, Sweeney maintains an additional 14 flight tracking accounts, according to Protocol News, but at 83,000 followers, Elon Jet remains the most popular. Elon doesn't want to be tracked everywhere he goes. But he wants to implant that technology in your fucking head. Have you heard about Neuralink? Experts are ringing alarms about Elon Musk's brain implants. The dystopian television show Black Mirror has begun to feel less like fantasy as Elon Musk's brain implant startup Neuralink gears up for human trials. Soon, the coin-shaped devices could allow uh, patients to operate computers using only their thoughts. But in spite of the never-ending momentum for the world's richest man, scientists are worried about the company's oversight, the potential impact on trial participants, and whether society has meaningfully, meaningfully grappled with the stakes of fusing big tech with human brains. I don't think there is sufficient public discourse on what the big picture implications of this kind of technology becoming available are. This is according to Dr. Carola uh, Krittemeyer, Assistant Professor of Medical History and Bioethics at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. That's probably a good bet, Merkin, that he will indeed start another company just for the jet able to shield uh, the logs. I worry that there's this uncomfortable marriage between a company that is for profit and these medical interventions that hopefully are there to help people. Last week, news broke that Neuralink is hiring a clinical trial director to help manage its first cohort of human patients. The company has already tested its brain implants on a monkey and pig's. Five-year-old startup's initial aim is to help alleviate certain disabilities like enabling paralyzed people to control their computers and mobile devices through brain activity. Musk has signaled far larger ambitions down the road, however. He previously outlined his vision to help humans achieve symbiosis with artificial intelligence to avoid being left behind by machines. Well, that's another... Okay, the fucking... How bad the Tesla auto drive is, seriously. But that's another thing that they're worried that he's going to use data from this for other endeavors like Tesla. If the ultimate goal is to use the acquired brain data for other devices 
or use these devices for other things, say, to drive Teslas, then there might be a much, much bigger market because these are very niche devices. Because one of the things that has hampered our ability to treat certain medical conditions, there's no money in it for pharmaceutical companies because it's such a a small cohort of people that have these conditions. Interviews with the Daily Beast, a number of scientists and academics express cautious hope that Neuralink will responsibly deliver a new therapy for patients, though each also outlines significant moral quandaries that Musk and company have yet to fully address. Say, for instance, a clinical trial participant changes their mind and wants out of the study, or develops undesirable complications. What I've seen in the field is we're really good at implanting the devices, according to Dr. Laura Cabrera, Cabrera? who researches uh, neuroethics at Penn State, but if something goes wrong, we really don't have the technology to explant them and remove them safely without inflicting damage to the brain. Yep, people's brains are going to be catching fire. We're also concerned about the rigor of the scrutiny from the board that will oversee Neuralink's trials. What happens if Neuralink goes bankrupt after patients already have devices in their brains? Who gets to control users' brain activity data? What happens to the data if the company is sold, particularly to a foreign entity? How long will the implantable devices last, and will Neuralink cover upgrades for the study participants whether or not the trials succeed? These are all questions posed by scientists and academics. Neuralink did not respond to a request for comment as of publication time. Fuck Elon Musk. And fuck him for numerous reasons. Fuck him for numerous reasons. Here's another one. How can we trust him with implanting shit in people's brains when we can't trust him not to just fucking be slinging junk everywhere? A SpaceX rocket slamming into the moon is a reminder to clean up our deep space junk. For the last seven years, a leftover piece of an old SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket has been circling the Earth on a very wide orbit, having a pretty unremarkable time. That's about to change on March 4th, when this rocket piece is predicted to accidentally slam into the far side of the moon. According to the astronomer who first figured this out, it's a reminder that we need to take better care of our deep space junk. Components part of a rocket that launched from Florida in February of 2015. Vehicle lofted a particularly valuable satellite for the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration called Discover, which monitors solar winds coming from the sun to better predict space weather. In order to perform its job properly, Discover was designed to go to a very distant orbit, roughly 1 million miles from Earth. To get the satellite out there, part of SpaceX's Falcon 9, the upper stage or the second stage on top of the rocket, lofted the vehicle to an incredibly high altitude above Earth. Once the satellite was deployed, the upper stage was abandoned and left in its extremely high elliptical path around the planet. Now, after seven seven years of orbiting the Earth, the upper stage's trajectory is going to serendipitously coincide with the moon 
Certainly not the first time that a human-created object has collided with the moon's surface. NASA has intentionally sent rocket parts and spacecraft careening into the lunar dirt before, but this Falcon 9 may be the first piece of space junk to make an unplanned dive bomb onto the moon. While this won't cause any problems for our planetary satellite, the incident does serve as a reminder to the space community that we may want to come up with better ways for disposing our space trash even the pieces that travel far out into deep space. It wasn't last night, it was like the night before. And I didn't know, I didn't know who it was! Apparently it was one of my buddies from college. And it may, no, it may not be a surprise to you, he was very well off. He he had an incredibly nice car. Parents had a lot of money. One of those things that helps inform one's worldview. Now, I'm upset about fucking space junk, because it is possible that we get to the point where we have grounded ourselves and we can't go out in space anymore. I'll pull up a picture real fast. What it looks like orbiting our planet right now is insane. I mean, I flashed some titties earlier. I don't know if that's a real picture or if that's a approximation. Like, we have actual satellite data. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's the difference. 1957, 1992, 2015. It is possible that we get to the point that there's so much junk orbiting the Earth that we're no longer able to leave. Because you can't just collide with this shit. That's in 2015. That's in 2015. That's before Tesla just started launching shit every other fucking week. Oh my god. This has been the hardest troll patrol to get through. So We're skipping the Matt Walsh segment I had on here. Okay, we have got... This is a call-in radio show. I think it's in Nashville. This happened uh, November 25th. It's, it's been a couple months. I called the conservative morning show and named as many punk bands as I could before they noticed. A moment of levity here for us. Apparently, this is Liz Gabbert. Bill, on the line, he's calling from here in Nashua. Hi, Bill. This is Nashua. I don't know if that is Nashville. How are you? Good. You know, I think one of my main problems is uh, I'm I'm a Republican. No, no, it's Nashua, New Hampshire. I'm sorry. Sometimes I feel like everyone is just, like, against me. So I feel like what we need to do is listen to what our descendants told us, because... 
In the past, we refused to live like a life of agony. I'm just, you know, I'm sick of it all. I'm sick of people thinking we're just a minor threat, you know? Enough of that Fugazi. I mean, a lot of these people, they just got bad brains and they're misfits who wave, you know, a black flag. They're practically anti-flag. You know, I think we need to help the youth of today because every time you blink, 182 kids, they go missing. So I don't think we should be exploited anymore. <laughs> rise against or, you know, they're going to have to deal with the fallout, boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're absolutely... The fallout boy is the punk band. Um, and, and this is good, right, guys? Well, yeah, it, yep. it, always, it always happens. We have uh, the left takes power. They overreach. A new group of people rises up, like now it's parents, mostly. And, um... Yeah, we've been... No! No, it's not parents! It's the same crusty billionaires manipulating you assholes every fucking time! It's like Scooby-Doo, you fucking... fucking yank off the mask! It's the same crusty billionaires! ...and to, quote-unquote, weaponize Granite Rock to say, look... Get involved. Here's a group here, a group here, a group here. Because people realize, yes, I want that. I'm mad as hell as I, and I'm not going to take it anymore moment. Everybody. Oh, my God. Do not cite network. In our fantastic movie. Self-facing way. <laughs> so. Well, anyway. Yeah. I'll let you guys go. Aww. I'm going to head out. I'm going to go catch some real big fish. I hope you guys <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to ha- eat that uh, really big fish for your Thanksgiving uh, meal? Well, not if it tastes rancid. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Bill. Hey, thank you for calling in, and um, happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your day. New- Bill, I think some punk purists would take issue. Oh. Found glory to you guys. See you, Thank you. Bill. you. Bye-bye. Okay. He snuck one last in there. Newfound Glory. I I don't think Newfound Glory is a punk band, are they? I think punk purists would take issue with some of the bands you named, but... Tally-ho, good job. God, this has been... This has seriously been the hardest episode of the Troll Patrol to get through. I'm so fucking bummed out. I'm going to eat. I might nap. I might fucking play some video games. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. I just... I'm I'm fucking bummed out, guys. Fuck. World sucks. I, I've never heard of Reagan Youth. I apologize, but I'm not into fucking punk. I got I got drugged to a punk show one time. Apparently, they're like legendary. Uh, The business. It was a really good show. I enjoyed it. But uh, I'd never heard of them. It was it was it was a fun concert. I've I've been to so many concerts that I've seen bands that I hate. I've seen Stained twice. I hate Stained with a passion. I've seen Nickelback. I've seen Three Doors Down. I've seen Kid Rock. I've seen Hank Williams Jr. like three times. I think I think the lead singer died. I think I heard that not that long ago. But yeah, it was a fantastic show. I like not my style of music, but those motherfuckers rocked. Drug to a punk band. <laughs> 
I love I love live music, so I, I won't say I was drug. I mean, I went willingly, clearly. Fucking, I love concerts. I've named all fucking bands I hate I've seen. I've seen Trace Adkins. <laughs> My favorite kind. I'm a I'm a uh, a progressive rocker. I like I like weird 15 20 minute songs that have several key changes and shit. Wearing my ghost shirt right now. Uh, I'm I'm excited for the new uh, ghost album. I've not been to Red Rocks. I've never been to Colorado. Red Rocks is on my list. The, I, I've unfortunately I've I've only been to a few like venues that are you know tip top like the Ryman. The Ryman is like the most historic venue I've been in, and I highly recommend everybody go because you know I'm down here in in the fucking south. I do need to make it out to Red Rocks. Curiouser has been to Red Rocks. I think I ran her off a long time ago with the with the horrid news. I, I have to go to Red Rocks at some point in time. I mean, I'll listen to your album. I've been to the Louisville Palace in Louisville, Kentucky. It was a fantastic venue. Tennessee Theater in Knoxville. Fantastic. I'm trying to think if there's any other cool venues I've been to. Like, I try to go to clubs. I try to see bands in clubs. I don't particularly like going to arenas, but you know, you have to go to arenas to see some people. What's new in the world of whores? Uh, I haven't been whoring around. I had a date for Saturday. With this, like, it was the weirdest fucking conversation. We started talking, and, like, her first fucking thought, or, like, the first thing, like, she said to me was, like, hey, I'm not vaccinated. Like, uh, well, if you don't have a medical reason, you should probably do that. But now she's black, so I can understand skepticism in the black community a lot more than I can in, like, the fucking white community. Like, I didn't really want to get into that. It didn't seem like... Like, she didn't seem like a far-right nut job. And the front page, or like the the description of my Tinder says, I wouldn't swipe right if uh, you're Republican, Christian, or stupid. But that last sentence was a bit redundant, wasn't it? So, like, hopefully, like, you know, nobody's fucking swiping on my shit. Unless they're, they're educated. I ain't been whoring around here lately. I had a trans friend over a couple weeks ago. We we had seen each other a couple of years ago. We had a little misunderstanding. We hadn't seen each other like this is before pandemic. He came over and like dick was in her mouth within like five minutes 
girl dick was in my mouth within like fucking 10 minutes, you know, that sort of thing. No, she... She stole some pot from me. But it's more complicated than that. Right? Like, she would always bring, like... You would always bring over some pot. It was always dirt weed and always had, like, you know... A dollar shit. What she stole from me was, like, a bowl. Like, she didn't steal, like... I had, I had, at the time I didn't have like my tray and everything. So I had like one bag that had been grinded and one bag that hadn't been grinded. And I would, you know, grind up some, put it in the bag, not have the blood, and I'd just scoop it out. So it was like she stole like a fucking bowl from me. However, like every time she came over, she brought pot. She brought pot with her this time. I mean, never, never a lot. She would bring a bowl or two. But one morning, like I'm still in bed, she's leaving. Uh, and I don't even get up to see her out or anything, and I heard her get in my drawer and take my bag. And it was just the principle of the thing. I don't smoke out of my hookah that often. I I mean, she had to, like, we smoked hers. She had to know it was my, like... If she had just been like, hey, can I take this last little bit? I would have said, yeah. Like, it wouldn't have been any big deal. But the fact that she went behind my back just upset me. And from that moment on, like, I always, like, saw her out. Battle Opossum, dude. I'm Chill out. You're, you're, you're probably in your building right now. I'm getting ready to come to you. This, is, this has been the hardest troll patrol for me to get through like the the news just bummed me the fuck out when did i say come oh, i'm getting ready to i'm getting ready to come to that awesome is my best friend and apparently he's not in his building tell him do you want to get your ass whooped in injustice tonight do you want me to to hand out a fucking beating for you because I'll do that I need some cheering up I can't like I am fucking bummed out oh you know what would cheer us up this fucking video of a tiger oh shit there's music under it it's got music under it. it's probably copyrighted by some stupid fucking company that snatches up social media viral videos don't eat your baby's head. What the hell? Oh, they're just playing. Just know, um, if I die by getting eaten by a big kitty, I was perfectly okay with it. I knew the risk when I approached it. Don't feel sorry for me if I die by big kitty. Son, I'm going to. I could beat your fucking ass. Might even, I might even choose Starfire right off the bat just to fuck you up. Who are you going to take against Starfire, huh? Maybe I'll take some Sub-Zero and fuck you up. Maybe you want a Ninja Turtle. Maybe you want me to take Leonardo. 
Those are like my top tier characters on Injustice that I'm just going to fuck his world up with. Maybe you want some Raiden. I'm also amazing with Raiden. Soul Calibur, like there's been like three more since Soul Calibur 3. Oh, we, we've been playing Injustice. Justice 2. Used to fuck it up on some Mortal Kombat 10. We'll get us some Mortal Kombat 11. Maybe you take Sub-Zero against some Starfire? I think you whooped my ass like that one time. We find somebody to raid, and I'll, I'll be right there, motherfucker. Deserve an ass-kicking. I, I don't even know what you've been doing today, but you deserve an ass-kicking for it. <laughs> oh, shit. Go see Riggy. Riggy's awesome. If you are watching on Twitch. Oh shit. He got to, Joker is probably like his type. He likes Joker, Bane. Fucking whoops my ass with Sub-Zero. Fucking Bane. I have not been able to counter Bane. You know, I might take some fucking uh, Blue Beetle, man. I can whoop some ass with some Blue Beetle. If you're watching on Twitch. We are heading over to Ricky the Great One. It doesn't look like they are on just yet. Stick around. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I'm Justin Freakin. We will see you tomorrow night with Sparkles Lavendar for the Friday Night Freak Show.